This is episode 21 of Everyday Wellness, Talk Back to Your Anxiety with Lynn Dutro. I'm Dr. Kelly Donahue, a clinical health psychologist here with my co-host, Cynthia Thurlow, functional nutritionist and nurse practitioner. Let's get started. Welcome to Everyday Wellness. Wellness is the result of the decisions that you make every day. It's your mindset and the thoughts you believe. Wellness is the food you put in your body and the relationship you have with yourself and others. Wellness is your work and meaning. Join us on Everyday Wellness as we explore ways that you can choose wellness today. We are live. And I can't find the sheet. Okay, here we go. <clears throat> Hello, and welcome to Everyday Wellness. We're so excited to have with us today, Lynn Detro. Lynn, aka Annie Anxiety, is the compassionate ass kicker. She has a passion for encouraging others to opt out of overwhelm, slap their self-doubt silly, and to stop waiting for the imposter police to show up at their door. She's been a student of human nature as long as she can remember and has a variety of experiences, including being an educator, school psychologist, motorcycle salesperson, and entrepreneur. When she grows up, Lynn hopes to be an inspiration for others to empower themselves and purpose pursue their purpose. She is currently working toward that goal by owning a private practice in Frederick, Maryland, where she works with clients as a counselor and coach, specializing in encouraging clients to embrace their stress and anxiety as tools they can use to grow and expand. She also encourages helpers, healers, and creative entrepreneurs to talk back to their doubts and fears, and she is their accountability partner in being the business beacons they were born to be. You can find out more about Lynn either at AnnieAnxiety.com or TheCompassionateAssKicker.com. Lynn, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to have you on board. I, I loved looking through your website, and I just... Being a uh, individual who grew up in New Jersey, I just like being straightforward, and and uh, <laughs> everything about your branding really appealed to me personally. So, um, yeah, no bullshit here. Yeah, I, I can I can totally appreciate that. I can totally appreciate that. You know, even as as a as a Western medicine trained healthcare provider, um, I always tried to be as straightforward as I could be with my patients, and I think people really mm-hmm. value that. Yeah, I get that a lot. I. Uh, on a fairly frequent basis, I get people who may have worked with someone else who was maybe a little more traditionally trained, a little more guarded. Um, and that's some of the stuff that people say to me is, I just appreciate that you're willing to say it to me straight. I'm, I appreciate that you're willing to self-disclose. It just makes me feel like um, you understand me mm-hmm. and in a way that I haven't felt understood before. Yeah, yeah. And mm-hmm. so tell me, just how did you get interested in counseling and coaching and consulting? Um, and I know your focus uh, is on anxiety, but I'd love yeah. to hear how that transpired. Uh, so what's the short version of that story? Um, <laughs> I, I, I think I was, you know, well, I know that I was born to be this. I mean, even as a kid, everyone talked to me that, you know, they felt safe sharing things with me. So I always got, oh, you're such a good listener, you know, but I fought that. I fought that a lot. So um, 
I uh, graduated from high school, was the first in my family uh, to go to college, and so trying to navigate all that. And my parents really wanted me to take over their business, um, which was uh, motorcycle sales, uh, motorcycles and power equipment. Um, and uh, so I tried really hard not to do that either. <laughs> but I didn't take a psychology class until, um, I guess it was my second semester, but then I was hooked at that point. And, um, but even then, uh, I, I tried not to be a therapist. I think I was afraid. I was afraid to actually, um, I, I guess I knew that I was pretty empathic and uh, I was afraid to take on other people's stuff. So I danced around it by, um, I got my master's degree. Well, I tried education first. So I, you know, I loved psychology, but I, I got my, um, certification in early childhood education um, and then realized there was that yeah that was wasn't gonna work I didn't actually I didn't get hired it was it was this whole anxiety provoking thing of going to all these interviews and not getting hired um, and eventually I decided to use a psychology degree and ultimately went for my master's in clinical psychology actually to start with I thought well I can test people like I can handle that and you know just write reports and still be very um, so, sort of disconnected I guess I was really afraid of uh, I guess what Brene Brown would talk about that vulnerability piece mm -hmm. um, and so yeah so I, I I relate to her a lot because you know she does the research and you know really didn't want to find that vulnerability was the key to all of this you know sometimes I, f I feel like we're kindred spirits that way because I fought being a therapist for so mm -hmm. long um, so yeah I went back I had you know the clinical degree I worked as a school psychologist for a number of years um, I just couldn't get around it because no matter what I did, people still just wanted to talk to me and share things. And um, so at some point, I just kind of allowed it to evolve and um, got my license. Oh, gosh, I don't even know when it was anymore. But um did a number of different things. At that point, I did. I left the school system. I was working selling motorcycles with my parents. Wow. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, um, and in the meantime, just trying to start a private practice and trying to, to navigate all that. And so I did go back to an agency at some point um, to kind of get my feet wet uh, in all of this. And and then at some point, I just couldn't stand the agency. I, you know, I guess growing up with parents who owned their own business, it was, uh, it was always kind of challenging for me to work within a system. Um, so I, uh, yeah, started out, I was just a generalist in the beginning, and then I hired a business coach. Um, and, uh, and so it was, this is, this is the funny story that I tell. So I had gone to a workshop on anxiety, um, by Reed Wilson, uh, someone had brought him here to Frederick. And, um, I just loved Reed. I loved how he approached anxiety. I thought this is, you know, if I were going to work with anxious clients, this is what I would want to do because he was like kind of no bullshit. Um, you got to understand that um, anxiety is telling you that the most important things are to be comfortable and to be certain. And you got to talk back to that. And I was like, oh my God, this is great. Plus two, um, the funny story there is uh, my husband was driving past where we were and he's texting me. He's like, oh, you know, how's it going? I'm like, it's great. The presenter just said fuck. And, <laughs> and he was like, he didn't even know how to respond to that. But I was like, you know, I was all into this. And, and, uh, and then he's like, well, wave to me. And I'm like, 
well, hell no, I'm not going to wave to you because, you know, the presenter's already made it clear that if any of us ask stupid questions, like he's going to make an example out of us. So, you know, I really, that had really resonated so much with me. And then several months later, uh, I hired this business coach and I had been racking my brain, like, what's my niche going to be? What's my niche? What's my niche? And she just had this presence and she said, well, who do you like to work with? And it, I didn't even hesitate. I said, people with anxiety and and then I followed it with a but but every therapist out there has you know that they work with anxiety on their psychology today or their uh, their business card or whatever and she just gave me this look you know how people cock their head and kind of look at you when they're like did you hear what you just said and she's like but that's because everybody has it (laughs) and I was like you know, it's like, oh my gosh, like the sperm and the egg just met, like anti-anxiety is born. So yeah, so that's, that's how it all started. And then, um, you know, it was just this journey of, you know, wrapping my, you know, getting my hands on everything that I could about anxiety, plus just really sitting with my clients, because I had started to notice that that's who I attracted. I attracted clients who are intelligent, um, and, you know, they think a lot. That's, that's one of my jokes is, you know, a great thing about uh, uh, working with anxious clients is they think a lot. And the challenge to working with anxious clients is they think a lot. It's um, so true. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so that's, that's uh, you know, how it all got started. And I just have been growing and evolving, uh, you know, for the like four or five years since then. Okay, so you mentioned that anxiety sort of this passion of yours and I'm wondering Mm -hmm. if that's because you mentioned times when you felt a little anxious on your own journey did you resonate with that and was that something that made you want to work with these anxious clients oh absolutely yeah (laughs) yeah you're gonna call me on this aren't you a little bit so yeah so um as a child, um, so I'm the firstborn. Um, I would say both of my parents had some level of anxiety, uh, you know, themselves. Not maybe diagnosable, but uh, my mom in particular. Um, and yeah, the f- I, so I was kind of a clingy, um, you know, kind of clingy to her when we would be out in public. I I didn't like crowds or anything, but um, I loved school, except for that the first day of first grade. Um, it was this whole funny situation. Um, I think I think what happened to us made them um, do that thing where like you had to sit with your class and like there had to be an adult with you to monitor you because they kind of <laughs> let us go into the cafeteria and just sit wherever. And so this group of us just sat in the cafeteria through like all the lunch shifts. We missed the cue to like go out on the playground or something. And somehow or other, I internalized that as I had done something wrong and I wasn't going back to school. That was not going to happen. And my mom had to basically drag me to school kicking and screaming. So I guess you could call it separation anxiety, um, plus probably a perfectionist um, bent in there. And that was that was the first that I remember dealing with anxiety. But um, it would rear its head, um, you know, periodically throughout uh, my life. I actually remember... Um, I guess it was right after I graduated from undergraduate in college and couldn't quite figure out what I was doing. And I remember telling my doctor, I was like, I think I have anxiety and depression. They're like balancing each other out. Like one wakes me up in the morning and the other one makes me go to bed at night. I don't know. I'm not sure what to do with it. Um, so yeah, definitely that informs. Um, and, and I think it's what what makes me good at what I do is because I can relate um, you know, to clients. I can relate to panic attacks, um, 
you know, maybe I don't have it full blown or, or those sorts of things, but I certainly um, have had my share and, and done my work. And that's, that's what I share with a lot of clients is, you know, how, how things were when I started versus how they are now. That totally makes sense. Yeah. You know, I well, think, it, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, I was just going to say, I, I think it probably provides um, it for your for your clients and patients that you work with to know that you have experienced some of these same things yourself mm-hmm. probably provides some tremendous reassurance. Yeah, it, it does. Um, I, I think it just, it helps them to feel not alone. It helps them to feel like I understand what where they're coming from. So I think we all have a basic understanding of what anxiety is, but I think that it probably means a little bit something different to everyone too. So can you give us Mm -hmm. sort of your definition of anxiety and what it looks like when it shows up in a person's life? Yeah, so um, instead of like a textbook, I'm I'm gonna share what I would share with clients is that... Have you guys heard about a bioactive whole food on the market with 5,000 published research studies backing it? When my oldest son needed to go on antibiotics a few months ago, I discovered Armra Colostrum and the benefits for him and his recovery from being on antibiotics have been instrumental in me now recommending this to my dairy non-sensitive patients and clients. Armra's colostrum strengthens immunity ignites metabolism, fortifies gut health, promotes hair growth and skin radiance, and powers fitness performance and recovery. My son has mentioned to me over and over again how great his gut feels, how he has improved his digestion and gut function as well. Colostrum is a rich, exclusive source of immunoglobulins or antibodies that optimize our immune defense even during cold and flu season. And we know that mucosal barriers house over 80% of our body's immune cells, including including the antibodies IgG and SIG-A. And these immunoglobulins bind and intercept harmful particles like viruses, bacteria, and toxins, blocking them from crossing into the barriers into our bloodstream. And armorous colostrum contains the highest levels of SIG-A and IgG to ensure your most fortified first line of protection. It's sustainably sourced, and it's important to know that you want to mix colostrum only with cold liquids or foods or dry scoop it into your mouth. This is also great for the oral microbiome. And we've worked out a special offer for my everyday wellness community where you can receive 15% off your first order. Go to tryarmra.com slash Cynthia15 or enter Cynthia15 to get 15% off your first order. That's T-R-Y-A-R-M-R-A.com slash Cynthia15. You definitely want to check it out. At some point, we've all been sold a big, fat lie. It's called the protein misconception. So starting in the 1980s, we all believed that more protein equated to more muscle growth. And I'm here to tell you, it's a big misconception. This has a great deal to do that our body can only absorb protein that's broken down into smaller building blocks called amino acids. It doesn't matter if you're consuming 30 grams of protein or 300 grams of protein. If you don't have a sufficient supply of enzymes to digest the protein, your muscles will ultimately be unable to use these as vital building blocks. That's why it's crucial you take a high-quality digestive enzyme. The one I trust and use myself is called Masszymes by Bioptimizers. Masszymes is a full-spectrum enzyme formula with more protease than any other commercially available product. 
product with five different forms of protease. Plus, it contains all the other key enzymes you need for optimal digestion. If you're experiencing bloating, gas, or digestive distress, a contributing factor can be that your body is no longer producing as much digestive enzymes. And you can try Masszymes today risk-free. They have a 365-day full money-back guarantee and is the gold standard in the industry. Go to biooptimizers.com slash Cynthia. That's B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com slash Cynthia and use promo code Cynthia10 for 10% off of any order. Again, that's promo code Cynthia10 for 10% off any order. You know, I give them the whole background of how, you know, our protective system, the amygdala, you know, sends, well, our senses sense that something might be dangerous. Our amygdala sends the alert that sends the blood to our body to fight, flee or freeze, you know, that, that whole system. And that for a lot of us, when that happens, um, it'll, you know, it resets when we realize it's not, and we're not dying, you know, our system resets. But for people who tend to be sensitive um, with anxiety, the system doesn't reset as quickly. And we oftentimes are doing things where either, um, you know, we have a hair trigger. Um, I used to talk to people about how, um, you know, when I was a kid, uh, the technology was not as advanced and our smoke detectors would go off if there was like hot steam from the shower. Like we opened mm-hmm. the bathroom door back in those days when you didn't have fans in your bathroom. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'd set the smoke detector off with the hot steam that would come out. And so for some people, that's how their system is set up. You know, it's just has that hair trigger. And then what will happen is over time, um, we don't like that feeling, so then we we you know we have the the part of our brain that starts talking to us and telling us to avoid things. You know, oh, you you don't want to feel that way, so avoid doing that thing. And so, the way I describe it to people is anxiety is is sort of a protector. Um, its job is to protect you from danger, from from death. Um, you know, but the the problem is it overdoes its job. It's, you know, it's like a border collie. Um, you know, if you think of like, um, so like sheepdogs and uh, uh, like German shepherds, if they're watching the sheep, they kind of like sit back and they, they you know, they just kind of let them go and do and, and they scan, you know, everything. But like border collies are like, no, everybody must stay in this area. And it just <laughs> runs around in circles and circles because in some levels they, it feels like that makes its job easier. So what I explain to people is that, you know, anxiety is trying to do its job and by telling you, you know, that that's dangerous or don't do that or, you know, creating the panic attack or, or whatever, it's just its way of saying, hey, I, I need to make my job easier. So I'm going to make you, re- you know, really uncomfortable so that you don't go do any of these dangerous things, even if what's saying is dangerous is, you know, like talking to somebody. And so, you know, I, I when I was looking at your website, there was a lot about your approach that really appeals to me. But I, I would imagine that people that are listening may be unfamiliar with how you actually treat or address anxiety mm-hmm. and, and how it makes you different or unique mm-hmm. compared to, and I don't want to make a generalization, yeah. uh, to a more traditional um, perspective yeah. and, and treatment for anxiety. I actually got to just explain this yesterday. I had a new client come in, and I think a lot of people would think that the way to 
deal with anxiety is to control it, is to manage it, is to learn um, to meditate or learn to breathe or, um, you know, any number of techniques that are absolutely valid. And, and um, you know, I'm not bashing anything. I think, um, you know, all of those things have their place. However, I go in at a deeper level. Um, if people don't understand how their anxiety works and they don't learn how to thank the protector, but basically say, you know, I appreciate what you're saying and what you're doing, but I have to figure this out. I have to be willing to be uncomfortable. I have to recognize that this illusion that we have created as a culture that we can be certain and make sure about things is just that. It's an illusion. And that at some point we have to be willing to take risks and embrace being uncomfortable um, in order to actually live. Because otherwise we're just sitting in you know, a bubble um, hoping that nothing bad happens. Um, so I teach people to uh, play the what if game and win instead of letting anxiety win. You know, so if some if your anxiety is saying, well, what if this thing happens? You say, well, so what? If that thing happens, then I'll do this. So teaching people that they're actually much more competent than what anxiety leads them to believe. And that if something happens that they're going to be able, they might not like it, they don't have to like it, but that they can figure out what to do with it. I think that idea of teaching people that they will be uncomfortable and that being mm-hmm. uncomfortable is okay is oh, yeah. so needed, but it's so foreign because what do a lot it of people is. do when they're uncomfortable? We like find ways to distract ourselves. We false right? comfort. I even I even hit my husband up this morning because um, he was going to a uh, he's a he's a contractor and he was going to an all day uh, it's two day like conference workshop thing, which is completely out of his norm. And so you know he was running all the what ifs and everything, and he calls me after he's there. And he's like, yeah, I was like the second person registered. There's still people coming in. I was feeling kind of nervous. So I went and bought some books at the bookseller. I was like, honey, you're false comforting. <laughs> false comforting. <laughs> but that's, that's how I explain it to people is that what will happen is we get this spike, this feeling that we call anxiety. It's uncomfortable. And what we are conditioned to do is find either a thought or a behavior or a thing that will comfort us so we feel better. But what we don't recognize is it's just going to spike again. So we're doing this dance of, you know, I have this anxious thought and then I do this thing, you know, and it, at its... Um, at its highest level, that's obsessive compulsive disorder. I have this, you know, this thought, and now I have to do this thing, this thing, so that nothing bad happens. But but if we continue to do the thing, what, you know, in any manner, you know, from from buying a book to <laughs> to you know washing our hands obsessively, it's still false comfort. It's still us, you know, it's still us telling ourselves that that's going to make us feel better. And, and then it's just going to turn around and happen again. So if we allow ourselves to, to lean into the discomfort, it's going to go away on its own. I have yet to have a client come in who is still in a panic attack that never ended. <laughs> right? I mean, it, it all, it's uncomfortable, but it always ends. The thought always, you know, eventually. And so when, we, um, when we're willing to... Um, are you guys still there? Yes. Yeah. Sorry, my computer's doing something weird. Okay. Um, when we're willing to, uh, to lean into that discomfort, then um, it, we stop that cycle. 
we and we get to be in charge the way i describe it to people is that we've spent our lives having somebody else tell us what to do and be responsible and so we're kind of looking for that and anxiety steps up and goes i'll do it i'll be in charge i'll tell you what to do and we have to recognize that we have to step in our core self knows what to do we just don't trust it because it doesn't speak up enough the anxiety you know jumps around and you know it's like histrionic and wants all the attention it's sort of like talking through the megaphone right and your inner voice is like the whisper yes exactly exactly yeah and I think this avoidance of discomfort shows up in other ways too like oh let me just go eat a whole bunch of stuff so that I don't feel this or let me drink stuff or let me shop or whatever oh yeah and absolutely and I think sometimes people don't even realize that that's anxiety do you see Mm -hmm. a lot of that I do I do um it's it's funny what people will show up and say you know it took me um, this long to figure out, you know, and somebody else had to point it out that this might actually be anxiety. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not surprised because we don't, we, you know, we, again, we use all these false comforts. So we don't even recognize that, that who's driving that train and, you know, why we're doing that. Yeah. So I know you mentioned panic attacks won't last forever. What, (laughs) what tools do you give people to help them manage that discomfort? Um, So with panic attacks in particular, what I suggest to them is, you know, it isn't going to last forever. And so lean into it and lean into it means things like take your pulse and sort of talk back and say, really, like 120, like that's all you got. Can can you just can you go ahead and make it race faster so we can get this over? I got shit to do. (laughs) <laughs> so that type of talk, and, and if, as if you haven't figured out, humor is a huge part of this. Um, we have to use the humor in order to, because um, uh, otherwise, what anxious people tend to do is be way too intense, and when and that just feeds anxiety. So by using the humor and and really you know, encouraging them to lean in, I actually encourage people to to seek out situations that are uncomfortable um, in order to practice this. So yeah, those are some of the things uh, specific to like panic. Um, Other things that I like to recommend to people are to uh, have what I call a dump journal. Um, for me, it, I do it in the morning, but it's the first thing that I do. And I just, I take a, you know, like a, the ugliest notebook that you can find. So like I go and get those composition books. <laughs> I usually stock up when um, they're on sale at the beginning of the school year. And I get the wide ruled ones because I don't want to write small. Like I want to be able to write big. Um, I take the ugliest pens out of my pack of uh, colored pens, the ones that I don't like, and they sit there. And in the morning when I get up, I dump all my shit in it. That's where anything I'm worried about, anything that is, you know, uh, upsetting me or creating anything or could create drama later in the day, it gets dumped in that journal and then it gets left there and I go on about my day. So that's another tool that I offer to most clients to find a way, um, you know, on a, on a pretty regular basis, if not every day, to just dump all that stuff in there. Because it's amazing when you start writing it down how quickly you're able to recognize oh well if this actually happened this is what i would do you know oh that's not a, that's not as big of a deal as i thought it was yeah those kinds of things that worst case scenario suddenly looks yes. manageable 
Yes. And I think that's so important, that distinction that, you know, you are in control because Mm -hmm. I, you know, I, I'm not a, I'm not a therapist, I'm not a counselor, but, uh, you know, just in my NP world and even, Mm -hmm. you know, working with, with clients and, and nutritional therapy, it's amazing to me how, as you've stated, they give the anxiety, the power and they, and once they take it back, I know even for myself, you know, depending on where I am in my cycle or what's going Mm -hmm. on in my crazy existence, um, my, my own my own coach started encouraging me she was like I know you hate writing it down but you got to write it down get it out you know mm-hmm. you know give it you know stop giving it so much energy yes um yes. and so I completely uh believe wholeheartedly in the message that you're sending and, and what a mm-hmm. interesting departure from more when I use the word traditional I'm thinking mm-hmm. more from western medicine perspective mm-hmm. of how many of my patients were on benzodiazepines, Valium, uh, Ativan, oh. um, you know, Xanax, and everyone thinks all those things are so benign and they really mm-hmm, aren't because they no. have abuse and tolerance potential. Yep. Or these long-term anti-anxiety agents. I'm like, why don't we yep. look deeper? Why aren't we dealing with behavioral mm-hmm. therapy? Why aren't we looking at what you're eating? Mm-hmm. Um, Today's podcast is sponsored by NutriSense. It combines cutting-edge technology and human expertise so you can see how your body responds to different types of nutrition, stress, exercise, sleep, and where you are in your menstrual cycle in real time. And by pairing a continuous glucose monitor with their app and expert nutritional guidance, NutriSense can help you reach your health goals. And the best part is it's not just a program where they send you the CGM and you have to figure it out on your own. Each subscription plan includes one month of free expert nutritionist support. Your nutritionist will work with you one-on-one interpreting your data and providing customized advice to help you reach your health goals. The last time I had my CGM on, my registered dietitian and I troubleshooted over some specific concerns that I had. And whether you're aiming to lose weight, stabilize your energy, or just feel better overall, NutriSense offers the guidance and support you need. And lasting sustainable change takes time and can be achieved through a longer term subscription. That's why I encourage my patients and clients to consider three, six, or 12-month subscriptions where it's actually less expensive and allows you to not only achieve your goals, but also to ensure that you stick to your healthy lifestyle for the long term. As I've mentioned before, I have found the CGMs I have used through NutriSense to be incredibly insightful, specifically to carbohydrate tolerance. I would not have known that plantains spiked my blood sugar without this information. It's also been hugely helpful for tailoring to workouts and sleep quality. And so for me, even though I am metabolically healthy, I find the insights to be particularly helpful to tailor my lifestyle changes to my blood sugar. Visit NutriSense.io slash EWP and use the code E. WP for $30 off plus one month of free nutritionist support. Be sure to let them know you're a listener of the Everyday Wellness Podcast when they ask you how you heard about them. This is one of my favorite ways to take care of my health and one of my top recommendations for all of my patients and clients. Mighty Maca is a superfood drink mix full of 30 plus natural ingredients, and it was formulated by Dr. Anna Kabeca during her healing journey. Mighty Maca Plus ingredients, which include nourishing ingredients like organic maca powder, turmeric, quercetin, broccoli, parsley, trans resveratrol, pomegranate extract, and more, were carefully selected for immune support to sustain energy, provide mental clarity, and improve recovery. It also tastes delicious. It supports healthy detoxification 
and alkalinity in the body, balances hormones, fights free radicals, and neutralizes lactic acid, all while increasing your energy and vitality. It helps improve your digestion and reignites your libido. It's a powerful superfood drink mix that needs to be part of your daily routine. And Dr. Anna is offering my listeners 10% off your first purchase by using the link DrAnna.com slash Cynthia. That's 10% off your first per that's 10% off your first purchase by using the link DrAnna.com slash Cynthia. It's delicious and nutritious. Yes, and that's exactly and I and I do. I mean I still have clients that, you know, are on some medications, although not the benzos. I really mm-hmm. um you know, encourage them to, if, if they come to me on those, um, I encourage them to, you know, get off if they mm-hmm. can. Um, but exactly what you're talking about, um, diet and, and lots of different things. And some clients, you know, again, like you're not the therapist, I'm not the nutritional person, mm-hmm. so I have to step lightly there. Um, but that's where I love having resources. And I, you know, I frequently uh, encourage clients to work with um, even a psychiatrist that I'm friends with who I'm, I'm so excited. She's, uh, I can't believe it took her this long, but she's um, doing a certification um, that has to do with a diet, you know, in treating different disorders and stuff. And um, uh, so, yeah, I mean, that's what I encourage my clients to do is like, okay, we can do this part of it, but there's so many other parts that are contributing. Even down to, I know a lot of therapists will, um, you know, they, the thing now is like to have coffee and tea and stuff to offer. And it's like, I have tea, it's decaf. Um, I'm not going to offer you coffee because anxious people just don't need it. Like we just don't need that caffeine. We don't need the stimulation. We don't need the stimulation. You know, you can work your way back to that if you have to, or you know, something. But you know, there's just so many things that you can do um, to support this um, that you and you, without the medications. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there. Yeah, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> Well, I just, you know, it, and I don't I don't want to belabor the point, mm-hmm. but it, one of the things that I found profoundly disheartening was, you know, particular populations had been on Valium, Xanax, mm-hmm. Ativan mm-hmm. for 20, 30 plus oh, years. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm looking at them in their in their 70s or 80s and I'm explaining to them for the very first time they're hearing, mm-hmm. you understand that you cannot abruptly stop this medication. Mm-hmm. And, Mm -hmm. you know, their eyes are getting big and they're like, is that why I have to keep Mm -hmm. using more and more of it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, And so there has to be a better way. There's certainly, Mm -hmm. there's certainly in an acute situation, if it's, if it's a, you know, something in a hospital, if someone needs to use something acutely for a short term use, that's very different. But, Mm -hmm. um, you know, the lack of education was really profoundly disheartening for me. So I'm glad to know there are people doing work like this that is far Mm -hmm. more valuable uh, yeah. than just prescribing meds. Yeah, well, that's what, and that's, you know, um, that's, I get that a lot. I get folks who, you know, I've had clients who spent years having every test done and trying different medications, you know, and then their doctors finally like, look, this is anxiety and you mm-hmm. have got to deal with it. Mm-hmm. You've got to figure it out. And, um, you know, in a lot of cases, they're able to, at the very least, decrease their meds, um, if not get off of them completely, mm-hmm. when they start dealing at what's really going on and understanding it better and having that willingness. Um, because I do have clients who understand what I'm saying to them, um, <laughs> but it's a little harder to get to that willingness to be uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, you know, that's definitely more of a challenge. Um, and yet that's, that's when they really start um, making progress in all of this. I can imagine. 
Mm-hmm. We've been talking a lot to our guests about social media and mm-hmm. its influence. Do you feel like, well, one, do you feel like social media has uh, an influence on anxiety? And two, do you feel like it's increasing anxiety potentially? Yeah, I do. Um, I think like anything else, social media could be a great tool. I think it's taught us a lot. Um, I am on it. And I encourage my clients, if it's an issue that we have to back off of it, we have to look at it in a more realistic manner. And um, it's just like anything else, social media, news, all of that. I encourage my clients to just turn it all off um, if they can or build some sort of a structure for when they're on there along with the education of you do realize that you know you're seeing people's highlight reel Mm -hmm. and this is not everything that's going on with them and so it i do it on a case-by-case basis depending on if they're coming to me you know talking about it we then we deal with it um and like i deal with everything else i hit it head on so (laughs) i have no problem saying to people stop it (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> don't do that well, it, and then really, helping them figure out how to stop yeah. yeah I know it's and it's a, an enormous problem I think mm-hmm. even for people that don't have um, a propensity for anxiety because I mm-hmm. see even within the female entrepreneur space you know that comparison is the thief of joy which is what I spout oh, to myself yeah. um, you're right that everyone shows their highlights in every area of their lives they're going to mm-hmm. show the best picture the best lighting the mm-hmm. best photo of their kids the best mm-hmm. you know they, they aren't necessarily always being real and relatable and so yeah. that makes it harder for people to understand that it's not as perfect as it looks yeah well and that's one of the reasons that I make a point of looking ridiculous on my social media on a regular basis (laughs) what's that I so love that about you (laughs) (laughs) well yeah so because I feel like somebody's got to be real somebody's got to put an example out Mm -hmm. there that you know this it, it this is all of it you know so yeah you might not get my worst moments but i have no problem like taking a picture of myself with smoothie on my face and realize you know after i realized that i just talked to my landlord for 10 minutes and he didn't bother to tell me um you know or other things making faces um you know not having makeup on you know all of those things because i do think the more of us who are willing to do that then the more examples we have to show people, hey, you know, it's not always sunshine and roses Mm -hmm. and rainbows and unicorns and whatever. But I think that's so important. I Mm -hmm. I think there are a lot of people who are suffering probably privately because they just, you know, maybe they aren't realizing how destructive those images can be. Mm -hmm. I I know that, um, you know, certainly when my kids were younger, it's interesting, a a photo popped up on Facebook today from 10 years ago. And so my kids are now 11 and 13. Mm -hmm. And and I was not nearly as interested in social media 10 years Mm-mm. ago. I mean, now my business drives a lot of that mm-hmm. interaction. But when I think about these very young, very impressionable young women, as an example, mm-hmm. people, maybe they have just had a baby, they're postpartum, maybe they're a little depressed, yep. and they're seeing these crazy celebrities that look like yep. they just walked out of off mm-hmm. of a runway mm-hmm. and how destructive that can be on so many levels or people who look like they've got it all together when mm-hmm. my, my great thing that I know Kelly and I talk about sometimes people that look like they've got it together are the ones that don't right (laughs) they just just don't show that right and that would be probably where like for me the coaching aspect of what Mm -hmm. I do comes in um and even if I'm doing counseling like if somebody has a diagnosable disorder and comes Mm -hmm. to see me I'm you know I am a licensed counselor but even in those sessions you know coaching 
uh, informs that as well when it's when it's called for. And then I do have clients that are just coaching clients, and I do groups that are coaching groups. And the reason that I, I have no hesitation doing that is that, you know, I'm going to tell somebody like, you know, this is how it is. And so he, and how are we going to sit down and schedule this out? Like, that's where somebody traditionally is going to be like, you know, how do you feel about that? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm not going to, I don't, you know, we're, we're past that. Let's get, let's take some action steps. Let's actually figure out, you know, maybe stop following the, the, um, the celebrities and use this for actually connecting with people who are dealing with the same things that you're dealing with you know let's find you a group on here and let's find you a group that's not like shaming you know and Mm -hmm. and those sorts of things so it's so practical and seemingly like so simple but it's just those things Mm -hmm. that I think we don't think of especially when we're in these throes of anxiety it's just Mm -hmm. you kind of get these blinders on it you can't see maybe I should talk to someone (laughs) and that and that's the challenging part is that um, the one thing, you know, that this virtual world that we've connected to, you know, I think, again, there are a lot of pieces of it that I think, you know, even just by being able to provide people with treatment who live in rural areas and, and that sort of stuff. I mean, there's definitely, it's a tool if we use it as a tool, but we have to, because all of it's so new, we have to recognize that it is also disconnecting us and making people feel lonely um, and not knowing what to do with it. So the more we talk about it and put it out there and, um, and encourage people to, you know, to talk to somebody, um, you know, my groups, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's almost harder to hurt, harder to get people into a uh, group when they have anxiety than it is to herd cats. <laughs> um, but when I've stuck to it and done it, um, it's amazing when people are like, oh, my God, like, I recognize that there's a lot of about us that's different but this whole thing around anxiety like I hear what you're saying and it makes me feel better to know I'm not alone and Mm -hmm. to hear what other people's experiences are and so I commit to these groups even though sometimes the marketing and getting the people in the door is challenging it um it's so it's it's I love sitting in the group and being present to these folks who are sharing, being vulnerable, connecting to other people and practicing all of that. It's, it's, it's pretty awesome. Uh, I feel honored to be able to do that. That's so cool. That is so cool. So one of the questions we ask all of our podcast interviewees is, what are two things that our listeners can do to improve their wellness every day? Mm. Um, I think some of the things that we mentioned, uh, the the journaling, I, that's my number one is to, um, you know, have a place where you can dump all of your, your crap each day. And for me, it works to do it first thing in the morning. Somebody else um, might be before they go to bed. The only um, thing that I suggest to people is to just be aware. Like if you're doing it before you go to bed and it's creating things for you to ruminate on, then, um, then do it in the morning, you know, carve out. A, and it doesn't, I'm not talking about like page after page. I, I require myself to do one page. Mm-hmm. If I do more than that, it's great. But, um, just, just one thing, you know, one, one page of stuff. Um, and the other is turn the news off. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Turn the news off and, um, and, and work on doing things that are um, that are uncomfortable. You know, I, what, I have a quote here. Uh, I think it's Eleanor Roosevelt: "Do one thing every day that scares you." <laughs> yeah, I, that's a favorite for mm-hmm. sure, mm-hmm. without a doubt. Yeah. yeah, 
Yeah. Well, Lynn, we want people to know how they can get in touch with you. So can you tell us where they can find you and what kind of people you want to work with other than people who just have anxiety? (laughs) We know that. Sure. Sure. So um, my, my counseling and I guess you would call life coaching um, page, you can get me at antianxiety.com and it's A-U-N-T-I-E, anxiety, A-N-X-I-E-T-Y.com. And um, if you're looking for, so that's where, I mean, I, again, I do counseling and coaching for what I say, you know, highly intelligent, um, you know, oftentimes my clients are kind of type A, um, overthinkers, uh, avoidant, um, yeah, uh, there's, they're, they're most, for the most part, they're fully functional, um, you know, so some worried well aspect to things. Mm-hmm. Um, but I certainly do. I certainly work with clients who have OCD um, and who have panic disorder, all of that. Um, but also folks that maybe, you know, are more what we would call in the field adjustment disorder and maybe coaching is a, you know, a, a uh, an area that uh, it would be helpful for them to, around how to get past the anxiety, how to talk to it, and you know get on with their business or uh, whatever's going on with them. Um, and then the business specific um, website is the compassionateasskicker.com. And that's where uh, I think you had said in the beginning, I work with um, helpers, healers, and creative entrepreneurs. Um, I do individual sessions as well as I do run a business coaching group. Um, that meets bi-monthly or bi-weekly. Awesome. Yeah. Great. Well, thank you so much for sharing all of your wisdom, knowledge, and we love your approach. And we're so excited (laughs) for others to hear about it too. Thanks. Great. Well, because I think that there are so many people who have a desire to probably work with someone, but they just have these images Mm -hmm. that, you know, might be portrayed in the media. So they don't really Mm -hmm. have a realistic perspective of what working with someone might be like. And yeah. If I were yeah. suffering from something like this, you'd be the kind of person I want to come see. <laughs> well, I welcome I welcome uh, anybody who is looking for something different. Um, again, I think you can get a flavor of me from uh, my websites as well as um, I do offer folks a 30-minute phone call uh, to discover whether or not we would be a good fit. So um, there's that too. Perfect. Well, thank you again for carving a little bit of time out of your morning to speak with us. You're welcome. And thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. You can find out more about Cynthia and her work at chtwellness.com. And you can find out more about Kelly and her work at everydaytherapist.com. In addition, if you have questions for us or topics you'd like us to address, please email us at everydaywellnesspodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, be well.